Well, I am glad to be back with you this week. I was sorry to miss last week, but sometimes bodies are gross, and uh, it kept me from, from being here, uh, that stomach bug. So uh, thank you for uh, your patience as we were able to make a technological solution. What an amazing time we live in that we can have a, a technological solution where somebody preaching a sermon in West Lynn 15 minutes later, that sermon is uploaded and downloaded here, and we can have a service here. Uh, that's just remarkable to me. Uh, but this morning, we are back in the book of Matthew, and uh, last week, we had Jesus healing a couple of blind men, and then now we have another episode with Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. Now, just moments ago, as Jesus was uh, talking with these blind men and, and healing them, uh, it said, Toward the end, he asks them, do you believe that I can do this? They said, yes. So he touches their eyes, and he says, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus warns them, see to it that no one knows about this. And then verse 31, but they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. And so you have this impression, right, because uh, they went out from there and they spread his fame about all that was happening. Did you hear about what Jesus did? Did you hear about how uh, he opened our eyes? You know, and they, they're going out. And so you have this, this impression then uh, that time has passed. But what we find right away in the next verse, verse uh, in verse 32, it says, and as they were going away, as they were going away. So in verse 31, when it says they went away and they spread his fame throughout all that region, and it seems like that's quite a bit of time that's happening there, verse 31 hasn't happened yet when we get to verse 32, chronologically speaking. Does that make sense? So verse, verse, verse 30, their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warns them, see to it that no one uh, knows about this, and they went away. That's the beginning of verse 31. Now verse 32, and as they were going away, right? M Matthew wants you to know that these things are happening in quick succession. These things are happening one on top of another. And if you recall, things have been happening quite a bit. In chapter 9, uh, Jesus has healed a paralytic. He has uh, called Matthew to be his disciple and has had a party with them, and then he went and uh, uh, argued with the Pharisees a little bit, then he went and, and healed a girl and a woman who had uh, some menstrual issues, then he heals, heals the two blind people, now we get to this. And it's just like boom, 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 one story after another, after another, after another, after another. And then we get to this one. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. So here's somebody who is uh, not able to communicate. I don't know how we might uh, diagnose them today, what we might say that they had today. But here, what's important to know is they were unable to communicate. They were mute, unable to speak. And they, this was, again, I don't know how they knew this, but this was a 
demon-oppressed person, the source of this muteness, this source of their incommunicability, their inability to speak. <laughs> the source of that was spiritual. This was a demon-oppressed person that was unable to, to speak. And so uh, that's why he's brought to them, right? Some, some friends, I assume some friends or some family members, get this person and they bring him to Jesus. Now we've encountered demons a couple of times, uh, in the book of Matthew so far. Once, just in passing, right? It was amongst all of the things that Jesus was doing, Jesus also freed some demon-oppressed people. And that, that was blip, all that there was. Then, uh, several weeks ago, we had an encounter with Jesus and two demon-oppressed people. Two demonized people. And I, I said at that time, um, the word in Greek is just demonized. Right? They were demonized. There were some sort of demonic, uh, unclean, or dark spiritual presence about them that was causing things uh, to happen. And I got a couple of questions about that afterwards, uh, uh, just about demons in general. And, and so I, I just want to highlight um, that when you read through the Gospels and you read through these things and, and we start talking about it, we think that demons are more prevalent in the Bible than demons actually are. Your impression, I, I can almost guarantee your impression of how common demons are referenced in the Bible is almost certainly greater than they actually are. There are three references to demons in the Old Testament. Three. They are in Leviticus 17, Deuteronomy 32, and Psalm 106, all of which are about people sacrificing to or worshiping false gods or idols and demons. So there's a relationship in all three cases between a demon and some idol or false god, and they are worshiping this false god or this demon. Three, that's it. Then there are some occurrences in, in uh, the Gospels. We, we see uh, several in the Gospels. But outside of the Gospels, you have only 10 references in the uh, New Testament. Four of which occur in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, talking about, again, food being sacrificed to idols or food being sacrificed to demons. One in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where they, people are deceived in listening to the teachings of demons, sort, sort of earthly wisdom, uh, and that is deceptive, spiritually speaking. It is spiritually deceptive, and it's the teaching of demons. Then twice in James, once in James chapter 2 and once in James chapter 3. James chapter 2 is a very uh, well-known one that you'll probably remember. Uh, well done, you believe in God, even the demons believe in God, but they shudder because they believe in God. James chapter 3, again, wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Then three occasions in Revelation, again in chapter 3, the worship of demons and idols, Revelation chapter 16, unclean demonic spirits that are going to go out in the world and deceive people, and Revelation 18 is the fall of Babylon, which says it is, uh, has become the place of unclean 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 teaching, unclean uh, animals, unclean people, and unclean demons. 
I have just given you a survey of all that there is about demons. Now, there's something uh, mysterious about demons, and so we want to make more of them, I think, than Scripture bothers to. There, there have been at times, um, I, I think because they're kind of weird and, and because there's a fascination with uh, dark powers, that then um, people have done writing and stuff. And so most of our impressions about what demons are and what demons do, I think, are influenced by those things. And so I just want to caution you, when it comes with demons, don't be overly fascinated with demons. And most of the stuff uh, that you read is going to be speculation more than biblically founded. Most of the information and things that you're going to read about them are, uh, is going to be speculation rather than biblically founded. There's just not a lot about demons. They're, they're sort of assumed that they are there. And for our purposes, they are a uh, dark spiritual power that is trying to deceive or cause fear uh, to cause people to worship them rather than God. That's sort of the a basics on, on demons. Okay? So, so this person now is somehow spiritually influenced. There's a dark force at work within them, and it is causing them to be uh, unable to speak and unable to communicate. And this, this person is then brought to Jesus, uh, and then it says, and when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. That's verse 33. Now, if you missed something, uh, it wasn't you, uh, but I felt like I missed something there. And that was the demon being cast out. Right? Because in verse 32... In verse 32, it says, As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And then verse 33, And when it had already been cast out, the mute man spoke. And for me, that's a little bit frustrating. How'd he do it? How did he do it? What did it look like? We get descriptions of other things, right? When the blind people came to him, when the blind people came to Jesus, and it said, he touched their eyes and he told them, it is because of your faith that you are able to see. Let you, may you be healed according to your faith. And he touched their eyes. And I go, oh, okay, he touched their eyes. There's something special there about that touch of Jesus maybe. Or, or the woman who had the menstrual issues who came and touched the fringe of his coat. And there was something about that touch of Jesus, but Jesus wants her to know, no, 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 it's not the, just the touch of me, it is because of your faith. Your faith has made you well. And here we have this issue with this person who is unable to speak, who is demon-oppressed, who is brought to Jesus, and he was healed. And he was healed. In fact, it doesn't even say, and he was healed, it said, and after he'd been healed, then he was speaking. He was unable to speak, now he speaks. I would like there to be more here. I would like the miracle itself to be here, and it's not. I want it to be there because I want to see how was this done. You know, some people watch magic tricks 
and then they want to know how is it done. Some people don't want to know, right? I don't want to know. That, you, you got me. I don't even want to know how you did that. That was amazing. I want to know how it worked. I want to know, could I do that? Jesus, Jesus doesn't have any need, or uh, rather Matthew in his telling of this doesn't have any need for us to know how Jesus does it. Do you remember last time he encountered a demon? What happened? Remember, he, he went and he went to the, the Gedarenes and those two guys came out of the tomb, these two demon-oppressed men came out of the tomb and they started yelling at him and they started chatting it up with him and they started uh, freaking out about what Jesus was going to do. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing here? How come you're here? Why are you here? Are you going to torment us? It's not time yet for, us, for you to torment us. What are you doing here? Hey, are you going to kick us out? We know you're going to kick us out. Oh, you're going to kick us out, aren't you? Okay, if you're going to kick us out, would you kick us out and go send us into the pigs? You remember that? Those really chatty demons? And, and what did Jesus say in that whole passage? Jesus said, go. go. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all Jesus said. Go. The whole thing. Here, Jesus is as mute as the guy he's healing. There's nothing here at all. It just says, and when, he had been, and when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. Never was anything like this seen in Israel before. Now, I feel like I have been saying this over and over again. This is amazing. Jesus is doing things that have never been seen before. Jesus is doing things that have never been done before. And I have been standing up here and telling you, you know, you think that this stuff was normal to these people because they lived a long time ago and they didn't know stuff that we know now. It was weird to them, just like it's weird to us. This stuff was not normal. They were amazed by it amazed by it. Now, we live in an amazing time. If I wanted to take you all to dinner in Los Angeles this evening, I could do that. I could levitate you all and transport you to Los Angeles and put you down and we could have dinner all together on an airplane, right? On one airplane, I could put all of us on an airplane, bring us to Los Angeles, and we could all have dinner together at a very nice restaurant, we can find somebody to pay for it, <laughs> right? We, but we could, we could physically do that because we have these airplanes that do that. That is remarkable to me. We can do other amazing things too. Do you know eye surgeries? Eye surgeries are amazing. I, I, have, uh, I wear contacts because um, my eyes don't work quite right. They can go in with a little tiny laser and they take the cornea and they go, oh, your cornea is not quite shaped right. It's off just a little bit. And if we trim it and reshape your cornea, the little lens on your eye, you'll be able to see better than perfectly. You'll have better than 20-20 vision. 20-20 vision is supposed to be perfect, but you'll get better than perfect vision after we take a little laser that reshapes the lens on your eye. What? That is amazing. And yet, 
This is more amazing. This is more amazing because Jesus doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to just load you all up on a plane and take you there. You know what, I'm going to take a laser. He just says, this is how it is, and that's how it is. He just heals people. He just casts out demons. He just makes it so that people who can't speak can speak. He just makes it so that people who can't walk can walk. People who can't see can see. People who can't hear can hear. He just does it. And the crowds marveled and they said, we've never seen anything like this before. Not only have we never seen anything like this before, we've never heard of anything like this before. We've never heard of anybody doing anything like this at all in all of our history. These are the Israelites. Never have we heard of anything like this being done in all of the history of Israel? Just think back through some of the history of Israel and some of the amazing things that have been done in Israel. How Moses was lifted up as this person who was able to do amazing things, right? Feed a whole bunch of people out in the desert. All of the plagues that had happened. All of the amazing things that God had done, and yet they just, it was like all of those things that God had done throughout the history of Israel got compressed into three years of ministry of Jesus. And it was just like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing was happening, and people were going, This is amazing. How does he do this? We've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anyone like this before. We've never heard of anything like this before. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is amazing. And as I was getting ready to preach this one, and I was going, oh my goodness, I'm going to just get up there and say the same thing again. Like I'm bored of it. Like, well, sorry guys, another miracle of Jesus. I'd like to bring you something more interesting. Maybe we could talk about demonology or something, because otherwise we're just going to talk about how amazing Jesus is, how much power and authority he has. And I started thinking about how silly and ridiculous that is. And how if Matthew is piling these up over and over again, he's wanting us to recognize how absolutely, incredibly remarkable this is. He wants us to know that there is no one like Jesus. There has never, ever been anyone like Jesus before or since. There is no one like Jesus. Everything about his ministry was unique to him. So I'm just going to pause for a moment for you to think about the reality of what would it be like to be there to see someone who had never been able to walk get up and walk? 
Someone who had never been able to see, begin to see. Someone who had never been able to hear, begin to hear. Someone who had never been able to communicate and speak, be able to speak intelligently. I just want you to think about that for just a moment. Okay, have you got that in your mind? Thinking about people being healed. Not because of some amazing surgery or something with a long recovery, but instantaneously healed. Right in that moment. And I want you to think about how amazing that is. And I want to say, being amazed is not the same as believing. These crowds were amazed at how Jesus did all this stuff. Not all of them believed. You see, Often I'll be talking with somebody and they'll tell me, you know, if I were to see the kinds of things that are recorded in the Bible, then I would believe. But I don't believe those things actually happened. They're recorded in the Bible. People wrote it down. Eyewitnesses wrote down what happened. Yeah, I don't believe that those things happened. I, I need to see it with my own eyes. Some of these people watched it with their own eyes and did not believe that Jesus was the Savior. They were impressed. They were amazed. But they didn't believe. You see, when, when we believe something to be true, it's, it's hard for us to change our minds. And so if we think that this kind of thing doesn't happen, can't happen, even if you watch it happen, you're not going to believe that it did happen. Or you come up with an alternative explanation. It was a mass hoax. It was a mass hallucination. It was a trick. He pretended to heal them, and it looked like, they he, he, like he healed them, but they didn't actually. People were pretending to be afflicted, and then they pretended to be healed, but in fact, they were never actually afflicted. It was coincidental. Somehow, it just, they spontaneously healed, but it wasn't Jesus. Not miraculously doing it, they just spontaneously healed, inexplicably. Or like these Pharisees in verse 34, but the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. 
I know how he does it. He's demon oppressed too. That's how he does it. Those demon oppressed people, Jesus is able to cast them out because he's the prince of demons. You see, everybody has to explain to themselves who Jesus is and how he did what he did. Jesus did the kinds of things that have never been done before or since. And everybody has to come to a place where they explain somehow who Jesus is and how he did what he did. And some people explain it by saying, it didn't actually happen. It's all a fairy tale. And some people explain it by saying, there are scientific reasons that these things happened, and we will try and put together a reasonable explanation of what this affliction was and how it was that this got healed. And others like these Pharisees, are going to say there were spiritual powers at work, but it was not that Jesus was the Son of God. There were dark spiritual forces at work here. But everybody has to do something with Jesus. He did the kinds of stuff that you can't ignore. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't be meh about Jesus. You, you have to decide and believe because if this is what it was, if this happened, then you can't ignore Jesus. Do you know what Jesus did? In verse 35, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. You remember at the beginning of Matthew, the message that Jesus was proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent, turn away from your sin, turn to God because the kingdom is here and now he is going out from village to village, from town to town, proclaiming this news. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is here. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for the kingdom of God to come and it's here. How do we know it's here? Look. Look at what's happening Look at how people are being healed. Look at how relationships are being restored. Look at what is happening. This is how you know. So while there are many who are stepping back and going, I don't know, and others who are marveling who are going, I don't know, Jesus is going around proclaiming what he knows. The kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven has come. Repent and believe. 
that the kingdom of heaven has come. This morning, we are going to be celebrating communion together. And when we celebrate communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us. And I want to just read for you from Hebrews chapter 2. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting that he, that is Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For who, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Then in verse 14. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Now, let, let me... Let me just go through that again a little bit more slowly. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus became a man, took on flesh, and endured the same kinds of sufferings that we endure. You know, all of these people, all of these miracles that happened were people who were suffering in their flesh. They were suffering, and so they came to Jesus looking for healing, and Jesus healed them. And in that same flesh, Jesus also suffered. He shared in flesh and blood. He himself partaking of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus, through his suffering, sets us free from suffering. Jesus, through his suffering, identifies with us, understands the pain that we feel, and frees us from. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 15, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The devil has tried to convince us that death is a thing to be feared. That all of the physical ailments that we endure, all of the physical suffering that we endure are things that we should fear. We live in a culture where physical suffering is feared and we do whatever we can to avoid physical suffering and to avoid thinking about the imminent coming of death. We do that because as a culture, we're afraid of death. And when we are afraid of death, then it says we are enslaved by our fear. We are convinced 
that we should be afraid of and that we need to do all of these things to make our bodies last longer, make our bodies feel better. But Jesus, through death, sets us free from that slavery of fear so that we are not subject to it anymore. Therefore, verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 2, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, we all have to decide who Jesus is and how he did what he did. And Jesus has said, I am the Son of God who has come to set you free. He took on flesh, he took on our sufferings so that he could completely identify with us and be able to help us when we are suffering and when we are tempted. He is the faithful high priest who in that ultimate act of love died on the cross as the propitiation, the substitution for our sins. 